Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Word on the Hill. Hello. Everybody. My name is My name is Scott Powell, and we are the Lanky Guys. Dude, I do not know how it is, but um, my voice is not quite all the way healed. This upper respiratory thing has continued. Uh, upper GI. No, that's something else. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, Whoa, strike that. <laughs> Wrong end, bro. Wrong end. <laughs> Dude, you're, you're flipping things on their head. <laughs> oh, good one, good one. Or on their end, depending on uh, yeah, what you're talking about. What's so, your perspective? I can't believe that um, uh, we started the way podcast. To start the podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, horrible. We love you guys, and we hope that uh, you had a wonderful time listening to the podcast today, and we will start over now. Hello! Are we starting over? No, I was just trying to make a joke. <laughs> well, <laughs> that was everybody's. I take everything you say with great gravity. You do, because I am a man of great gravitas. You are a man of great gravitas. When you look onto my eyes, you shall see the gravity. Stop it. Well, it's the sixth sun, sun, sixth Sunday. I even seashells did my voice. The, yeah, yeah, she do, sells yeah. seashells on the seashore. It is the sixth <clears throat> Sunday of Easter, and um, we had some big news in the Archdiocese of Denver this last week. We had our ordinations, and four... Friends of ours, really. Yeah, I mean, like core, I mean, good, fo- good folks folk this got is, ordained to yeah. the priesthood in the Archdiocese, which is very exciting. So congratulations to Father Nathan Goebel. Indeed. Father Joe Doman. Indeed. Father Jason Wunsch. And Father... I can never remember Father Castro. To... Yes, well said. Let's just say Father Castro. I, his, uh, he's Portuguese, which Portuguese is so funny because it really is Spanish. <laughs> What's the deal with Portuguese? <laughs> Let me tell you. <laughs> the deal with Portuguese is it sounds like Spanish pronounced with a Russian accent with a little bit of German in there. Did you just steal? I feel like I read that someplace just recently, or maybe you just said it recently. I Did you steal that from someplace? No, no. This is my original insight. Really? Yeah. Maybe I heard it from you because it does sound like Spanish with a Russian accent. You're like, I, I I've heard that though recently. No, it's true though. Yes. That's what's creepy about it. So it's so it's really cool. So two of those guys were from the Catholic stuff you should know conglomerate. Indeed, which is back in the air, I hear. Yeah, they they have uh, published um, um, Pilgrimage to Beauty, I think, which was a a. a a, a theology on tap that they did. Oh, nice. We should do a theology on tap. Okay. Which is basically a theology on tap with the lanky guys would be just drinking beer while doing this. Well, we might as well get it out in the open then. We are launching, I guess I'm doing it. I guess we're doing it. We are launching theology on tap, University of Colorado next year. Yes. It's going we, to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. And we will do a live podcast. I'm in. In Boulder. Uh, you can sign so me up. come on up to Boulder. And drink some brew. Indeed, I want to get. I want to go to some place that's fancy that sells like fancy drinks, like basil lemon drop things. I don't think we're gonna get our core demographic if we do that, which is namely students at the University of Colorado. Oh yeah, that's true. So, well then, why so are we, we can do that. Tap? What do you mean? Because Catholics like beer. Oh okay. So do students. Oh, that's true. <laughs> I just opened. <laughs> I just opened the Catholic Stuff You Should Know website, and I saw the picture of Nathan Goble running on the beach. (laughs) (laughs) In like an old-timey 1920s full-body swimsuit. (laughs) Oh, man. Sorry, Uh, that was just delightful. Anyway, Catholic Stuff You Should Know. Congratulations to Father Goble, Father Doman, Father Wunsch, and Father Castro. And... 
here we are. We should talk about the readings. Anything else? Any any other shout outs or thoughts or Well dude, the the wounds this is the thing, is the Wunches. Um <laughs> they Oh are... I've met him Wuncher twice. Wunch Oh Oh, you've never heard that? Oh, that is very good. Oh, I've been saying that since college. Yeah, but they are like, they were kind of part of this like 1997, 98 kind of Catholic explosion from Boulder. Bing, I'm part of it. Oh, yeah, we were talking about that the other week, and I was just like, yeah, man. man, Archbishop Charles Chaput got here in 97, mm. um, and he started- No, is that true? Yeah, 97 okay. was when he was installed, and um, he had taken up um, the the um, uh, Cardinal Stafford, but then Archbishop Stafford, his work from World Youth mm. Day '93 and Indeed. all this sort of stuff, and this this place just blew up, and and there were so many graces, particularly for me, for you and them, and so like I remember Mark Wunsch. This is the thing: is Mark was living in the Mark. library up at St. Peter's. <laughs> so and like I was like, who is this dude who's like sleeping on the library floor, man? And yeah. it was this guy Mark and Mark's great. And then Jason was a missionary here and so it's just like, dude, that's like a that's a little extra love to the boy. And they grew up here. You know they're from Boulder. Yeah, that's what I said when oh, I okay. started this. Oh, well, either way. <laughs> <laughs> you don't listen to me. No, I totally do. I don't I'm not loved. I know you are loved. You don't, you don't love no, me come anymore. On. Anyway, so now you know all about you us and the archdiocese. Okay. Anymore. All right. Get it out of your system. Okay. You got it's it? done. Yep. Okay. The sixth Sunday of or- of Easter. I really want to say the sixth Sunday of ordinary time. I don't know why. I know. I did too because it's summertime. Summertime in the city. Wait, what's that Will Will Smith song? Summer, know, summertime. Summer, summer, summertime. <laughs> summertime. Summer, summer, summertime. In the summer. I don't know. It's a summertime. We should. Edit this outer move. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's move on. I just can't think of it. We, this t- is going to kill me today, all day. I did it for you, and you okay. don't believe me. I don't believe you. It that's, doesn't sound right. That's okay, because sixth, I don't need you to believe me. Okay. Sixth Sunday of Easter. We begin by looking um, closely mm. at a passage from the book of Acts. Mm. Acts of the Apostles. Yes. Acts of the Apostles, not Acts. Acts. Uh, it's chapter 8. 5 through 8, 14 through 17. And we miss the uh, passage about Simon the Magician, which, which is okay. Isn't isn't Simon Magnus, doesn't, doesn't he cause, is he a coppersmith? No, the coppersmith is no, a different no, one. No, coppersmith. He's trouble, though. That's, yeah. That we know. Okay, then our responsorial psalm is from Psalm 66, 1 through 3, 4 through 5, 6 through 7, 16, and little lonely verse 20. And but funny enough, the verse comes from verse one, which is kind of nice. It is real nice, unlike last week when they left us hanging till the end. Yep. And now <laughs> uh, our reading from the segundo. Well, they would call it the second reading, but in fact, it's actually technically the third reading. Mm, indeed, indeed. Is First Peter. Well, okay. Chapter three, verses thirteen through nineteen. I think properly uh, through 18. Oh, 15 through eighteen. Sorry. I think properly speaking, though, the psalm. I mean, it is one of the readings. But as the church has always understood it, it's sort of like, as the readings progress, we're stepping upstairs toward the temple, really. Yeah. So the first step is, of course, the Old Testament reading. And then as we step, we sing a psalm, which is the responsorial psalm, into the New Testament, normally, even though during Easter it's from Acts. But then we step into the New Testament, and then right before the gospel, we sing yet another psalm, which is the Alleluia, which is, properly speaking, a psalm, into the height of heights, which is the gospel story of Jesus himself. So... You know, I see why it's called the second reading. Yes. Anyway, all right, there's your uh, there's your theology for the day. Uh, did we already talk about First Peter? Yes. And then our gospel, of course, you're not listening to me now. You're texting your friends or you're playing Candy Crush. What? Is that what you're playing? No. Words, pl- for, words I'm, for friends. I'm, I'm, praying, I'm praying threes. You're doing what? 
Threes? Have you played that game? You so you are playing. <laughs> no, I wasn't. I was actually. Show I, me your I, phone. I, Turn it around right this second without pushing any buttons. Oh, you're actually reading the gospel. <laughs> yeah, I did not expect to see that. that okay. Keenan Keenan Fitzpatrick texted me and wanted to know Knew what it. style logos for Camp with Two were water bottles. <laughs> Knew it. <laughs> and, yeah, and some fancy finger work to hide that. Okay, the gospel. <laughs> our gospel is from John chapter fourteen, verses fifteen through twenty-one. Dude, I feel like a teenager all of a sudden. You're Why? like, you're like, show me your phone. No turning around. No, <laughs> don't press any buttons. Just show it to me right now. Like, like I'm sorry, dude. That was like, I, I literally like flashback i didn't have that when i was a teenager but it was the tone of like being chided for things so she's look at this list of texts that just showed up in the course of <laughs> oh my gosh you've got like 25 of them you know why porque because i don't check my texts during the podcast oh Ooh, boom. oh man i'm sorry i'm, I'm doing it right now that, i've just <laughs> hold pro- on hold proved on. myself wrong. yeah yeah dude that was like a, a <laughs> fallacy i'm just kidding i'm cheating around inconsistency no no it's cool Churlish. Um, what? Churlish. You, you call me churlish? Okay. First reading, okay. Acts. Philip. Dude, talk to me about okay. Philip, dude. Cause I don't want to talk to you about I don't want to talk to you about no, Philip. You I want to talk to you about the uh, the schema of Acts. Is that cool? Okay, Here, here's what's... <laughs> I'll talk to you about Philip. Okay. Okay, so it begins by saying, Philip went down to the city of Samaria, and he proclaimed the gospel to them. Um. Okay. With one hey, Honda Accord, uh, did the you notice? Paid did you notice the people that 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 break in his voice there? Just where he was like, he went down to <laughs> Samaria. That was when he checked his texts. I got a, I got a new text. I'm supposed to babysit a bunch of kids tonight. <laughs> checked his texts because Annie's out on the town. All right. Um, checks my texts, <laughs> dude. We and Keenan like... keeps texting me about water balls. <laughs> <laughs> he does the same to you. <laughs> Annie really wants to know your opinion is what he sent me, which is like, I feel manipulated. No, you should feel honored. We value your opinion. Annie tremendously values your your eye. for Father Peter is a graphic designer, if you didn't know that. I like it. So our Camp Boitiwa graphic design questions we like to put through him. Well, I wasn't. I just wasn't sure that Keenan actually was telling the truth, Keenan's, and that he was just. Keenan he, he tells was the just, truth. Keenan's a good man. Keenan, He's a righteous man of God. You're right. You know what? I actually have to repent. I, re- I apologize to you, Keenan, to Annie, to you, Scott, Thank on you. the air. But we have to get on to this podcast. Or <laughs> right, as, no, we're going to lose every single one of our listeners. They're already gone. They're done. Okay. So Philip went down to the city of Samaria. Here, here's the thing about this. Um, this is why we have to take a step back from Philip for a second. Now, Philip um, is one of the... He's one of the seven deacons who were ordained in our reading from last week. Remember okay. that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's this problem. They need to ordain deacons. Philip's one of them. Because of the Hellenists. Because of the Hellenists, man. But here's the thing. So Philip went down to Samaria. We don't get the very beginning of chapter eight. So I want to read that really quick. Okay. Well, you know what? Uh, well, yeah, I do. There's a lot I want to say about this. So I'm trying okay. to structure my thoughts. I'm just going to let you go. On that day. So uh, uh, the beginning of chapter eight says, on that day, a great persecution arose against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the region of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. So um, this is right after Stephen's martyrdom. So it says, then they buried Stephen, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. Here's the thing. As Acts of the Apostles begins in Acts, I, I believe it's chapter one, verse three. I think that's right. In Acts chapter one, verse three, you get a table of contents for the entirety of the book. Do you know about this whole thing? No. I love Acts of the Apostles. So Acts of the Apostles, begin. it doesn't begin precisely where the gospel of, so remember, Acts is really volume two of a two volume set. So Luke the gospel Acts. of Luke and then Acts of the Apostles. Luke writes them both. They're, they're two volumes. Addressed to the same person. Yeah, Theophilus. Um, Which we talked about last week. We did indeed, or a couple weeks ago. 
But the Acts of the Apostles doesn't begin precisely where Luke left off. It actually takes you back a little bit and kind of gives you a recap. So you know on your you know on your favorite TV show like last time last week on on twenty four lost on twenty four. Are you watching the new twenty four? I am. Okay, we got to focus. Um, <laughs> it's pretty good. <laughs> it's pretty bad. No, no, I, it's pretty good. Oh, I pretty good. I, I like it. Jack is back. Jack is back. Um, okay, here it is. It's in verse eight. So Jesus, uh, as Acts of the Apostles begins, we get sort of the recap of what happened when Jesus appeared to the disciples before his ascension. Gives you a little bit about what they were talking about, what their agenda is, what's going on. And Jesus, before he ascends into heaven, he basically says, here's what's going to happen to you. It's verse eight, chapter 1, verse 8. It says, you are going to receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And then you will go and be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So those um, three, those four places, really, being Jesus' witnesses in Jerusalem, number one, in Judea, and then Samaria, which are kind of lumped together, and then to the ends of the earth. Those are the four parts of Acts of the Apostles. It's how the book is structured. So chapters one through seven is all about the church's witness in Jerusalem. Yeah. That's what actually happens. Um, Starting in chapter 8, the church moves out to Judea and Samaria. And then eventually, by the end of the book, it's going to go out toward the ends of the earth as Paul begins to take the gospel to these all these Greek-speaking places. Yeah. So we know from the very beginning of the book the trajectory of the of the gospel, how it's supposed to move out. And if you look at this on a map, it's like uh, it's like if, you know if you throw a, a rock into water, you get ripple wave ripples that ripple out. Yeah. So you have Jerusalem in the center. It's surrounded by Judea, Samaria is further out than that, and then to the ends of the earth. So it's like a ripple effect as the gospel goes out. But here's the question. What prompts the gospel to go to Judea and Samaria? It's not what you'd expect. It's a, it's an unlikely circumstance that actually gets the apostles to do this. I mean, this. My, my, my first guess is— We actually just read it today. My first guess is what we read today. No, I, I don't know. I, I like. Let me read chapter 8, verse 1 again. So remember, in the table of contents that Luke gives us, chapters 1 through 7 is the church being witnesses in Jerusalem. Yes. Then look at chapter 8, verse 1. It says, On that day a great persecution arose against Uh, the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the region, guess where, of Judea and and Samaria. Samaria. So basically what's happening here is that God's going to see his purposes served. God wants the gospel to go out to Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. They're not really doing it. Persecution arises, and God, I don't think God wants to persecute them. Was it not necessary that this arose? So that the gospel now can be pushed out to where God wants it to go. So what we're seeing here is actually the gospel being fulfilled. Acts of the Apostles, Jesus' commandment is actually coming to fruition here. God loves you too much to let you stay where you are. Exactly, namely... Jerusalem. Namely Jerusalem. I mean, like in some ways it, it was it was feeling good, but then the persecution yeah. scattered them. I mean, it, it is it is the rock that forms the ripple. Exactly. That that's exactly right. But here's what's cool is you jump down to kind of the, the second part. So it jumps, we skip the part about Simon the Magician. We go down to verse 14. And it says, Now when the apostles in Jerusalem, so they're still back in Jerusalem, when they heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent them Peter and John. Now, I want to read you something really quick, and I should have had this open to begin with. Mm. Remember, this is part two of a two-volume set. What's volume one again? Uh, it's called The Gospel of Luke. The Gospel of Luke. Listen to what Luke says in chapter 9, verse, uh, let's see, 51. No. Oh, there it is. Okay. Chapter 9, verse 51. Listen to what it says. 
When the days drew near for Jesus, that's Jesus, for him to be received up, he set, he set his face to go to Jerusalem, and he sent messengers ahead of him who went and entered to the, the village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. But the people, the Samaritans, would not receive him. So I think this is kind of cool. Back in the gospel, there was this moment that Jesus entered into these villages of the Samaritans, and he was rejected there. Now, at sort of the other end of the story, the disciples, Philip, really this deacon, goes into the city of Samaria, or the cities of Samaria, and they accept the word of God. They actually get another chance. And the second time, this is literally a reversal of what happened the first time. And imagine being the disciples back in Jerusalem, Peter and John, knowing, having been with Jesus as he's traveling down through Samaria, getting rejected. Now hearing, oh, remember those cities that rejected you guys and Jesus? They've just accepted him. And imagine being them. And, and they actually go out there. They're like, yes, this is awesome. And they go there. It's really beautiful if you see kind of the whole story. Yeah. But then something weird happens. And this is what I want to zero in on. So they sent Peter and John, who went down and they prayed for them, that they might receive the Holy Spirit, for it had not yet fallen upon any of them, for they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Which is really... <clears throat> so this is an interesting thing. It's like... Bapt- well, if I were to, I mean, as as a priest, the the very first thing that I'm looking at is I'm like, if the the singular valid minister of um, there's there's only one kind of valid minister for baptism. Do you know who that is? Anybody. Yeah. Okay. L- literally, <laughs> I, I was I, like, I thought it was anybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was really funny because uh, I, I I'm I'm godson to uh, uh, the McDevitts' uh, son Joseph. Godfather. What did I say? Godson. I uh, well, I asked him for a blessing the other day. But what ended up happening is is he he has a he has a new little baby brother, and he went and he baptized him. Oh shoot, that's legit. He took water and was like, "I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit." And they were like, "Wait, he's like three. Yeah, but oh, he's no. he's a valid minister of baptism. So he baptized him. Yeah, and so then they did the <laughs> baptism, and they had to do a conditional one. For at the church. That's the coolest story I've ever. Heard. Yeah, and he wants to be a priest, and so like it just makes me so happy. Like I love it. When I was a focus missionary, sorry, very small story. Okay. I, there was this guy who was, some guy that I was sort of mentoring was mentoring this other guy. He was a freshman, and he just got so jacked for the gospel. He was so excited about Jesus and about the church, and the gospel. Apparently. He started baptizing everyone on his dorm floor in the water, in the drinking fountain. Oh, no. <laughs> like legitimate baptism. Oh, no. I mean, you have to baptize so the with a little the church and profession of faith. Yeah, it was, and... it was pretty bad. Oh, no. It dude. was a mess. Let's just say that. Yeah, no, that's... Because <laughs> baptism is powerful. Yeah, because baptism is it. So so what happens so, is you look at they've only been baptized. But, but, but here's where it's curious, though. What happens when you're baptized? and curiouser. What usually what when what happens when somebody is baptized? Well, I mean, normally, if if you're doing the full rites, you would be baptized, confirmed, and receive first Eucharist. Yeah, yeah, just just baptism though. So you baptize a baby. What ba- happens to that baby? They are um, they are clean of sin. Why? Because first things first. What happens when that baby is baptized? They're set free from original sin and personal sin. But that's not that's not the initial effect. That is the result of something else. They're Water is put on them. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know no. what you're trying to get at. Just say I'm it. trying to say it plainly. It, Are you the Christ? No. 
<laughs> no, I am not. Okay. But this is because it's so weird in the text. When we're baptized, the Holy Spirit comes upon us, does it not? Yeah. Theologically speaking, that's one well, of the... Yes, and that, well, that and that's actually where this crazy thing about confirmation is. I mean, there's the fullness of the Holy Spirit in confirmation. Right. But you receive some level of the Holy Spirit in, uh, to come upon you. But that's where this should confuse the, the reader and say, well, wait a second, they were baptized, but they had not received the gift of the Holy Spirit yet? I thought that's what happened in baptism. Yes. So this is where the church looks at this, and she this is not a proof text, but this is where the church sees some of the first evidence for confirmation, right? Yeah. Because like you said, anybody can baptize. Who can confirm? The bishop. So who goes down to Samaria after these people have been baptized? The bishop. The bishops do. Peter and James or Peter and John do. Oh. And they lay hands upon these people. And what happens? They receive the Holy Spirit, which had not yet fallen upon them. In other words, the fullness of the Holy Spirit. The church looks at this and says, Oh, look, it's one of the first occasions of confirmation happening. Which, by the way, in case you're ever wondering, in confirmation itself, there is a laying on of hands. Wait, well, exactly right. And it's but 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 actually what, what the laying on of hands physically is in the confirmation right we have now the slap no it's when the the um oil is put on the chrism is actually put on the person's head oh. you have to touch them you and you, you can't you can actually use a super soaker and and just chrism soak them chrism soak them no you, you can't do that learn that one learn that one i guarantee we're the first religious podcast that's ever used that concept agreed i'm dude. gonna make that claim i'm just gonna throw it out there dude i claim it. Put, I, put our flag in the in, in the, the moon <laughs> that's kind of cool though yeah so what we see is an activation of the holy spirit Activize. so they so so in a roundabout way what we're saying is uh, yes, of course they must have received the holy spirit if they were legitimately baptized yeah but now they're seeing that holy spirit activated and come upon them in a new way and so the church says well look this is evidence that we've had confirmation from the beginning in the way that the mind and the heart of the church have always thought about it and in in, in, in very much the way that um it's like now exactly right so it's kind of cool yeah it's a neat little story. There's a lot of theology packed into that first reading. Boy, howdy. Boy, howdy. Let <laughs> all the earth cry out to God <laughs> with joy. All of my books are falling. Dude, no, they, 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 then you actually threw one on the ground just for good measure, <laughs> which I have to say. Yeah. He was like, yeah. He's like, they're all falling on the ground. <laughs> I'm just going to encourage them. Well, you know what? So Psalm 66 says, let all the earth cry out with God. Cry out to God with joy. Um, in one of the stand, let's see, it's the third stanza Let down. Let all the earth cry out to God with joy. I can wait. I can I can keep singing too. No, please don't. So in the third stanza down, it says he has changed Which the stanza. S- oh my gosh, the third one down. The third one down. Okay, what was he saying? He has changed the sea into dry land. I've heard of that before. I, that I, I remember that. That would that happened um, when Jesus was baptized in the Jordan. Doesn't the one that one just slap you? <laughs> no, what? <laughs> Come on. Um, that happened when You're being sarcastic. When Adam and Eve ate of the fruit oh of the tree gosh, in the garden. We don't have that much time. We've already <laughs> wasted all their time at the beginning. <laughs> it was when they. It was in the Exodus. Exodus. Movement um, of Jerusalem. Be- yes. No. So they let they let they went out of Egypt. Yep. And then they passed over the Reed Sea. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I'm just trying to get at you. They did not pass over the Reed Sea. It was the Red Sea. There was a wall of water to the left and to the right, and Pharaoh's army came behind them, and then the water collapsed upon them, and they died. Well, I actually don't think that's what it's referring to. 
But then there's another time when the priests <laughs> took the Ark of the Covenant through the Jordan and then water spread and then they went into the Holy Land. Carrying do you know, do you know why Ark. I think that's the thing it's talking about? Um, no, I don't. Because of the next line. Through the river they passed on foot. Oh. So. I should have I read the song. Well, but regardless, so what, what do these two things have in common? They all remind us of the Passover celebration, the idea of the Exodus, right? The freedom from captivity in Egypt, the crossing through the Red Sea, and then eventually, after 40 years, the entering into the Promised Land. Why did God set them free from slavery in Egypt? So that they could come home to their new Promised Land. What is Jesus doing on the cross? I mean, this is fundamental to our theology. Jesus yeah. is setting us free from our slavery in a new exodus, this is what it says in the Transfiguration, remember that? They're talking about the exodus that he was going to perform. Exactly. Most, so that's, this, that's Moses and Elijah next to him. That's it, man. So there's this new exodus that Jesus is doing. There, in, in the Acts of the Apostles, what we're seeing is these people who have passed through this, the Red Sea of Baptism are now entering into the Promised Land through yeah. confirmation. Their, their eyes are being opened. They're oh. empowered through confirmation. Oh, they've been set free from sin. They've wandered through the purification time. But now, but now, welcome in eat to the fruit of the land. Yeah, that's sort of how I'm I'm thinking about this. I mean, if that's heresy, then then let's leave it at that. But if that's heresy, you get a hair shirt. <laughs> hair but here's what's cool. See, hair shirt. I get it. Hair shirt. I see. Different spelling. Morrissey. Here's what's cool though. In some of the the ancient Greek manuscripts of this particular oh. psalm. So if you go back to the manuscript tradition, some of the ancient manuscripts. Had so as in the the if you go back to the Bible the the little title for this psalm reads simply to the choir master a psalm right or a song, and in some of these Greek manuscripts the word is joined to it Anastasios, which means of the resurrection. So the first Christians actually read this particular psalm, and they said they they added to it and they said to the choir master this is a song about the resurrection. How do we enter? How do we? How do we? cross over the Red Sea of our baptisms? How do we enter into that new promised land? Only through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Only through what, again, we're still in the sixth Sunday of Easter. We're still basking in the glow of. We're still reflecting on. It's only in light of that that we can have something like baptism and confirmation and actually be able to enter into this new promised land. So it's pertinent that the church chose this particular psalm for today because that's how the early Christians all saw this. All saw, that's what they all saw this psalm talking about and pointing to and speaking of. Yeah. Which I just thought was a cool little historical fact. Well, what I really like, too, is that um, it's the transition point in the liturgy, like what you're saying here, yeah. from baptism. Because like in the liturgy, we've been focused on baptism, and the prayers are of like, it's like baptism, 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 and it is all over baptism. Yep. But now, all of a sudden, we're, we're actually making the transition into the promised land which is of really the Spirit, cool. which is pointing us towards Pentecost. Yeah, it's going to cost you. Oh, I will play Pente to see if how much it will be costing. <laughs> I wish that I had a picture of what your facial expression and hand gestures were in that moment. Like literally, it, this there are some things that don't um, actually work on radio, which is better. Which is better. Somebody was like, "Dude, you should do a video podcast." What do you guys think? What do you think of that? What do you think of that? You um, guys, we're talking to you. Um, I think that's a terrible idea. Do you? I, we want. I want your opinion. I want you guys to send us emails or write us on Facebook and let us know if you want a video version of, of, to actually see what we're doing right now whoop, whoop. as you whoop, whoop. and watch us, dude. That would be crazy. I want to know if this is a dumb idea or a really, really good idea. That would. Because I don't know the answer. to that. I think it could be fun. Could be. 
or it, it could just be super boring. And, and then everybody's, and then we just turn into like community television, public <laughs> access, public <laughs> access, dude. Where they're like, oh my gosh, here's public access, Jamoke and Jamoke, dude. You're watching Cable Ten, Aurora, Illinois. Yeah. Oh, Wayne's World. Yeah, very good, dude. I always wanted a public access TV show, though, just just too. to be truthful. I did too. I really did. Dude, that's actually some of the inception of why you're here with me now. Do you remember when we used to drive around and talk about a television show? A cable access television show. Holly. We're the only two people in the world that dreamed of having a cable access <laughs> television show. <laughs> Who didn't just act on it and sign up. Oh, man. Or didn't set our sights a little higher. <laughs> so, beloved, okay. let's go to the second reading with the Peter. Second, <laughs> second Peter 3, 15. Beloved, sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts. Okay. Be always ready to give an explanation. Ex- Explanation to anyone who asks you for a reason for your hope, but do it Jesus with gentleness. Jesus is my and hope. So, good job. Hey, yeah, I have, a, I have a ready, ready explanation. Way to be ready. Because I was lame, and now I'm not so lame. Here's what we have to remember, though. This letter, and we've talked about it the last few weeks. It's kind of yeah. interesting because these, the readings have just been a continuation of everything that we've been doing through Easter. I mean, the the readings. There's not new books. We're just continuing on in the text. Anyway, First Peter. Remember, this is written toward the end of Peter's life. He's old, he's wiser, and he's writing to a persecuted Christian community um, in present-day Turkey, I think. Bunch of turkeys. <laughs> Bunch of turkeys. And I think it, it, if you know the context, it changes what he's saying. Always be ready to give an explanation to anyone who asks you for a reason for your hope. That's one thing if you're just kind of, you know, a good Christian living your life and yeah. somebody's like, hey, why are you a Christian? Oh, because Jesus loves me. Da, da, da. It's a different thing if you are being beat up and persecuted and killed and martyred and someone's like, oh, my gosh, how can you possibly still be surviving? How can you still find joy in the midst of the tremendous heartache and struggles that you're facing and the, your family's being killed and you're being you know, persecuted in all these ways, how can you have joy? Yeah. That's a much different kind of question, isn't it? Yeah. Than just, hey, how come you're a Christian? I mean, that that's an important thing. Yes. But we have to remember what these people are dealing with. Well, and that gives much, a, a ton of sense to the line, it is better to suffer for doing good, if that be the will of the God, than for yeah. doing evil. Yeah. yeah. Which, it's funny, it reminds me of a line my dad always tells me. Uh-oh. He's like, he's like, just remember, son, everybody got to suffer. You can suffer, Pursuing the Lord's will or suffer avoiding the Lord's will. Ooh. That's your choice. Ooh. Everybody's gotta suffer. Ooh. Ooh. I'm like, ooh. ooh. I'm like, Papa Musk. Papa what, Musk. What, what? Man. Well, this is the thing though, is it like it, like it, it, that's the temptation. It's like you get angry and fed up of persecution. I mean, like I look around and, and I get I get really sick of the culture sometimes. I get honked off and I'm like <laughs> and and I and I'll tell you, man, the honking begins. <laughs> Um, but that was you, a goose, by the way. Oh, thanks. And my, mine was like a horn from the twenties. <laughs> oh yes. Yeah, but uh, yeah. So there you go. And where, whereas, is it? It's, it's tempting to be like, dude, I'm just going to play by the rules of the world, and I'm going right. to throw down rather than actually no, I'm gonna, I'm actually going to do good. And and it, it it's it's kind of like when Jesus comes before everybody and says, "For what good are you trying to stone me for?" Take that a step further. So, Boy, howdy. So, yeah, I mean, you have that reality of, okay, what are you going to, suffering's going to come. What are you going to do with it? Yeah. You know, are you going to try to conform and be like the world? No. But then take it even a step further. I was reading a commentary on this passage this morning, and it was it was comparing what Peter says to, you know, a lot of the the many, many passages in the Psalms or 
you know, in the wisdom literature that talks about the destruction and the defeat of Israel's enemies. Oh, you're being persecuted. Someone is out to get you. Those enemies will be slaughtered and crushed like dust under my feet. You know, I mean, this is a big theme of the Psalms and the wisdom literature. Peter is the counter to that. He, He doesn't have that tone. The New Testament doesn't stress that. It's it's not the promise of this, you know, this eschatological justice and those who are persecuting you will be destroyed. That's not Peter's main concern. His his main concern is that the fa- the faithful through their faithfulness are going to be vindicated, not that their persecutors are going to be shamed and destroyed. I mean, ultimately what we what this new I don't want to say it's a new revelation because it's not new. But this new understanding that the church has is not that our enemies be destroyed, but that our enemies be perse- be uh, be converted, yes. that they be sanctified as well, that they be saved, not that they be destroyed because they're out to get us. So you see a marked change in tone as salvation history goes on, right? I mean, Peter's um, Peter's on the offensive. He's not on the defensive. He's not just saying, okay, here's how you need to deal with all this persecution. He's saying, look, this is how you live. If persecution comes, then so be it, right? Um, yeah, and he doesn't, he doesn't engage in this rhetoric against the world. This is the thing that strikes me so much about the whole New Testament. If you know the history of the New Testament, it's most of it is being written to a church and by a church in persecution, in exile, suffering, beat up by the Romans, by the Jews, oftentimes their own brethren. Never do you see these warning, never do you see these diatribes in Paul's letters or in the letters of Peter against the Romans or against the pagans or against their enemies. Never do you see them saying, you got to watch out for the world out there. You got to watch out for these people. You got to watch out for these people who are persecuting you. Never. It's never the pro, it's never the concern of the authors of the New Testament is never those people out there who are out to get us. The concern of the New Testament as authors is always these people in here. What are we doing? Are we corrupting ourselves? Are we turning against each other? Are there wolves inside the church that are threatening to undermine us and who we are as a people? It's never the concern of they're all out to get us out there. Mm. That's a given. Yeah. That's never the concern, though. Isn't that, it's striking to me, though. That's actually really awesome and something that we need to take to heart in the church itself. Yeah. Is to be like you know what like it's easy to it's easy to go on the offensive. Talk to me. I just got a connection. Hit me. So thinking about that. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. But no. thinking about that and, and applying it back to Acts of the Apostles. I mean, what do <laughs> this is real? That's really cool. I mean, what did we just see there? So we saw back in Luke. Remember that same group of Samaritans, that same, those villages of Samaria were the enemies. They were out to get us. They were rejecting Jesus and they were oh. rejecting the Messiah. What happened? Well, the apostles probably shook the dust off their feet and they moved on. What happens now? They're presented with the gospel again. They're not rejected. They're not, oh, we're not going to talk to those people because they rejected us the first time. They, they're they gone back to. There's effort put in yeah. and they hear the gospel. They're saved. They're confirmed and they're enlivened by the Holy Spirit. These are our enemies, mm, right? Yeah. But here we see a very concrete example of our enemies being transformed. Yeah. That's really neat. I just thought about that. That's beautiful. Yeah. What a neat connection. Which, th- which this connection leads us right into even Jesus' preaching. Thank goodness. If you says, he says to his disciples, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And then, and then the advocate will be given to you, which, by the way, I love. Advocate, you can also translate that paraclete. I, I, I had to look it up in the Greek because I was hoping it was parakaleo. Yeah, parakaleo, which is like my favorite title for the Holy Spirit, by the Do way. Do you know what parakaleo means? Uh, not... Uh, uh, you're going to give me something deeper than I have, so I'm looking forward to having you 
tell me. Well, yeah, it's where we get the word the paraclete, if you've heard the Holy Spirit called the paraclete. But panakaleo. And when, he, when we say paraclete, we're not talking about the thing that you play football or soccer in. A paracletes. Uh, ah! <laughs> okay, paracleo. Um, oh my gosh. I'm having a hard time convincing my son Samuel to not. He, somebody, a neighbor kid, gave him some brand new soccer cleats, which he's just enamored of. Oh, yeah. And it's cleats. hard to convince him not to wear them all through the house. Oh, yeah, man. Because they don't, they don't work inside. <laughs> but it's killing our floors. Anyway, um, paracleo, it's, it's a composite of two Greek words. So para, what does para mean? Around. No, it means next to. So like parallel lines. Oh, yeah, yeah. Para. So next to. Uh And then kaleo means to call or to come. So literally, to para kaleo means to come alongside of someone. So what is the paraclete? The paraclete is the one who is called next to us, who who comes alongside of us to walk with us to... I'll bear the load, all this stuff. This is where Paul, remember in 2 Corinthians? Yeah. He says, God is comforting me. He's parakaleoing me so that I can comfort you. The comforter, the parakaleo. It, it's just a cool image. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. An advocate. Eh. Huh. It's a fine translation, but it's not quite, it doesn't quite get to parakaleo. Parakaleo. Well, and that's what makes it, you can actually remember that through a pair of cleats because that's how you walk <laughs> on rough terrain without Ooh. slipping. Oh, Oh, that's cool. Yeah, man. Look at you. Look so, at you. So this is the thing is he says, I'm not going to leave you orphans. I'm going to come to you. I'm going to be with orphans, you. I'm yeah. going to take care of you. I'm going to, um, you know, I, I like I am in profound communion. You're going to be in profound communion. <laughs> profound what? Did it. <laughs> I, dude, I hiccuped. So cool. what? It's totally cool. I do it in my homilies and my praying all the time. I know. It's all right. It's all right. Dude, I, I think I have a speech impediment. No, you don't have a speech impediment for Pete's sake. I, all right. I don't know what I, I'm saying. No, it's, it, it, but uh, I mean, the neat connection, yeah, this, is, this is probably an obvious connection, but I mean, here Jesus at the last, this is right after the Last Supper. It's probably still in the context. He's just washed his disciples' feet. He just actually finished saying that I am the way, the truth, and the life. Remember, that was our reading for next week, or from, um, from last week. And now that he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, uh, he talks about, how they will now live. They will live because of this advocate and he will live in them and they will live in him and all this beautiful stuff, which comes to life, I think, even more if you realize what Jesus just said to them and just expressed to them in that kind of discourse. And we see then the fruit of all this in the first reading. Here is that paraclete who's actually coming among them to convert their enemies, to transform those who persecuted them, to change the entire structure of the world. It's not just somebody just kind of stand by and watch these things. It's the force. It is actually the affecting principle that is going to transform and did and is and will continue to transform the world. Yeah. I think of um, I think of um, on the Camino. I went to confession with this priest, and and uh, I What'd was. What'd you do? I was, sorry, I'm just I was arrogant, and I judged people in my heart. You want to have my confession no, aired out in front of the I whole world? Truly, don't. Okay. Um, well, this priest, he says, I was getting arrogant and angry at all these other pilgrims, and he says, you know, there is only two kinds of people in the world, mm. and on the Camino, he said, the first type are those who walk with God, and they know they walk with God. Uh oh. And the second type are those that God walks with them and they do not yet know that God is walking with them. Ooh. And he says, that's it. It's binary. And wow. I was like, I was like, that's good. It opened up my heart because th- this is the thing is that we're, th- those who know that the spirit is with them, that they're parakaleo, they, mm. that the spirit is walking and fulfilling and giving life and making all this happen and is being built up so that they can go out to the world. 
Um, you know, that's actually the, the purpose, the advocate. Is the, now, this is the thing is the spirit is interceding for us. For us. Mm. Now, what does that mean? It means for the interceding for us, for the people around us, to the Father. Like, it's just trying to make it go okay because <laughs> yeah. it's so easy for us to get bitter and to say, oh, I'm going to turn inward. I'm not going to turn outward. Mm. I'm not going to be generous. But it's like you meet anybody who is really transformed in Christ and their generosity goes through the roof and they learn the truths of who Jesus Christ is through an authentic self gift because. Out of a man comes to know uh, who he truly is as an, in a sincere gift of himself. Totally. And then Christ fully reveals man to himself because it's in Christ that we learn how to be generous. And that's actually where we have to have the spirit to keep kind of like prodding us and engaging us, encouraging us to, to be that way. Absolutely. That's awesome. You're awesome. You're awesome. Thank you. And you guys are awesome. And you're awesome for dealing with us and putting up with us and listening to us. I mean, I, you're awesome for listening and putting up with Scott, but I know how much you guys love listening to me. Do you need to confess that? Yeah. Forgive me, Scott, for I've sinned. I can only hear confessions. I can't do anything about them. I can't him. do any absolving. Well, y'all, y'all. Um, I hope that this has enlivened you and prepare you for the week after this one where Indeed. we have some... Uh, is it, the, is it when is When is Pentecost? It's Next 50, week. 50 days. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. Pente. Pente. Next week, everybody. My kids keep asking me when when Easter is over, <laughs> which I can't. I kind of can't believe that they still get that it's still Easter. That's pretty sweet. And they always every morning they're like, "Is Easter over yet?" And I'm like, <laughs> "Oh man!" And I'm like, "No." And there's another week and a half. And they're like, "Yes, Jesus is risen." I'm like, well, he's still going to be risen after that. But yeah, it's pretty cool. They're pretty. I, they're pretty pumped about it. I've always thought about like, dude, how do how what is eternity going to be like? Because man, there's a lot of like stuff to deal with because at all at the same moment like it's all happening like simultaneously that's kind of freaking me out i can't deal with it don't deal with it right now well all right everybody we will see you next week for pentecost i think it's pentecost right if it's not Uh, we're gonna we're gonna eat some humble crow Mm, humble crow humble crow mixing metaphors just for you guys (laughs) on lanky guys god bless you we love you keep it real don't fake the funk pin us on pinterest look us up on google the google (laughs) <laughs> the Google. The Google. Send us an email. Thank you guys at thomascenter.org. Facebook, Facebook profile us. us or whatever. Facebook stalk us. Yep. Share us with your friends. Yep. On, on Twitter. Yep. Tweet us if, you, if you're feeling like that. We have one tweet retweeter. Yay. Yeah, Father Andrew. Oh, thanks, thanks, Father. Father. Andrew. All right. See you next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. Word on the Hill is a production of the Aquinas Institute for Catholic Thought here in beautiful Boulder, Colorado, www.thomascenter.org. You can also send us an email at lankyguys at thomascenter.org. See you next week.